Yeah. It's it's funny that you say that because as I <laughs> this was not the intent of the book, but as I was reading it, I was like, I'm fine, I'm not that picky. <laughs> well, like, exactly. Like I was like, all right, I don't have these standards. This is crazy. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, those those women, they definitely needed to open their standards. Me, I'm good. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Finding Mr. Hyde, the podcast. I'm Allie, back with my co-host, Erica. How are you doing? Hello, hello. I am good. I'm actually very fresh off a date from yesterday. Hell yeah. Can't wait to hear about it. Yeah. So it was someone I actually matched with last time I was in LA on Hinge. Mm -hmm. And so then he followed up saying, when are you back? So was back and down, hit him up. was like, okay, let's go out. Uh, and funny, we talked about the list that had all the places to refuse to go on a first date because yep. we ended up having a coffee date as I'm How back in LA. How dare you? I'm back in LA and these people meet at 2 PM, which is exactly oh, what we yay. did <laughs> and it was a coffee. Um, and you know what? I don't knock people if they say no to coffee dates. I get it. It's very yeah. hard for it to be romantic. Um, I'd, I don't think I'd fully remove them, I guess, from my first date list. So was this one romantic? No, it wasn't romantic. I'll be frank. <laughs> it wasn't. It's, both things can be true. They are not true romantic, yet. but I still yeah, think yeah. they should be an option on the list, okay? Because sometimes fair. we're busy people, and it's like, just get, get there, meet them. Um, very nice guy. Very cute. Uh, very sweet. I, oh. you know... It's interesting. I had this thought before reading the book we're talking about today mm -hmm. where I was just like, this guy would make a really good partner. What With about like, him? Just very smart, kind, nice, seems to care about the right things. And it's like our date didn't get super in depth, but there was just something to him that I was like, you just seem like a really good, solid guy. I love that. Yeah. And he was just kind of, I don't know how to like phrase this. I'm going to call him soup season. Um, okay. Because this was a moment that stuck out to me that I like didn't find funny in the moment. But then later I was like, oh, that was kind of funny. Uh, he mentioned like really liking to cook. So I said, oh, what do you like to cook? And he immediately said, well, it is soup season. And I said, <laughs> oh, excuse me. You know? like, I was just like, oh, okay. This <laughs> And like later I looked at it and I was like, oh, I actually find that kind of endearing that he was just like, it's soup season. So you're like, hello, Erica, we have to be cozy. Yeah. Like he's like, it's cozy time. And I'm like, well, it's a little hard for me. I just moved to LA and it's still 70 degrees in the middle of the day. So yeah, soup right. Season. Yeah. What kind <laughs> of little... soup? Yeah. There are no seasons here. What are you talking about? <laughs> a little, a little hard for me to get on board with soup maybe this early. Um, but yeah, I had a nice time. It's like nothing. I really, it's one of those, I'm like, I don't fi feel like there's that much to report other than I was like, oh, this guy seems like a really good guy and has his life together and likes what he likes and has hobbies and interests and friends. I'm like, great. Perfect. Like pretty, pretty basic first date. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and be like, but I'm not mad about that. You know? Yeah. So like day I, two, you're, you're a yes. It sounds like. Uh, I would go on another yes. date. So um, this is literally the next day. So I have not heard from him yet. So we will see. 
So I've talked a little bit on the pod about how I've been trying to extend my damp January into into future months. And I have really been enjoying recess mocktails as a way to have what feels like a fancy drink at home, but without the alcohol. Yeah. And also, it's nice to have something in your fridge that just has a little bit of flavor. Totally. And they're they're delicious. They're made with real fruit, sweetened with agave, and again, 0% alcohol. So just a nice, nice little flavorful drink. That is a little little play on our favorites here. They got a bunch of great flavors. My personal favorite is the Recess Watermelon Mojito. I actually like to garnish it like it's a actual cocktail. Like I put it in a coupe glass, feeling all fancy, garnish it with a little sprig of mint. It is delicious. And my favorite is the Recess Ginger Lime Mule. I'm a ginger gal. And what I love also, not too sweet. Perfect amount of just a little little sweet treat. They're absolutely delicious, and you can get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash FMH, so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. But yeah. All right. And you're you're solidly in your, like, you're not going to reach out. No, I still abide cool. by my uh, second date rule, even after reading yeah. this book. <laughs> this book, I felt, was more telling us be more open to the second date, actually more so even the first date. I mean, we'll I think it it's in a few minutes. Ge- yeah, generally be more open in general from date one through marriage. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> it's it's very like, don't be so picky is basically the gist of the book. Pretty much. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I agree up to a point. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, but uh, okay. So yeah, well, soup season, we'll have to see. Soup season, we'll see. So well, we shall see. Yeah. Uh, I also went on a date this week. You did, a second date. A second date, yeah. So the listeners heard last week about my first date with Billy Joel. And by the time we recorded, we already had our second date on the books, mm-hmm. and it. which I, as mentioned, loved. And we had that date on Saturday, and it was super fun. We I mean, technically started as a coffee date, but then we went to the Natural History Museum. Um, and it just was – it was so easy and comfortable – and so fun. Like we were like, not literally running, but like running around the museum, like so playful and, you know, going to different exhibits and kind of like you were saying about museum chemistry, about like, do you like to go through a museum at the same rate? I don't know if we would be aligned in an art museum, but in this museum, we were like right on the same page. Yeah. Or also like the interactive exhibits, they're very like, let's do it. And yes. I feel like this is now the trait everyone's referring to Travis Kelsey. He's very, like, not embarrassed, you know, mm-hmm. the whole Taylor Swift situation. They're like, he has no shame. There's no, yeah. I care what people look, think I look like, and all that stuff. So in your scenario, it's like, yeah, let's do this. What was it, an earthquake thing you said? You got to, like, jump and do. And- yeah, there was, like, a an earthquake exhibit or an earthquake section or whatever, and there was a, a spot where you could, like, jump as hard as you could on the floor and see how much you could make the graph move. Yeah, which is... Which is one of those things you're like, okay, if we're going to do it, go for it. Let's fucking do it. You know, you don't want to feel like you're dragging some guy through the museum like, and jump. And he's like, oh, okay. I, It's funny you say that because when we were waiting to do it, it wasn't like a crazy line, but we had to wait for like a couple minutes. There was a guy, there was a couple in front mm-hmm. of us and the woman wholeheartedly, like practically a running jump <laughs> and lands on this thing. The guy just lifts one foot and stomps. I'm like, come on, yeah. bro. Put some put some muscle into it. Like, he clearly, like, just didn't want to. Like, didn't care, didn't whatever. And I was like, see, she was so excited. And he was just like, bleh. Yeah. Which, you know, 
maybe he has bad knees is the benefit of the doubt but 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 it's like you want someone enthusiastically going through it with you which is which is exciting exactly so it was really fun um obviously went into much more detail on the patreon but it was just like really great and yet another date like next date confirmation on the first date great look at that not first date you know what i mean we just during the the next date on the day yeah and on our first date we like confirmed that we would go out but we didn't like fully schedule it which i appreciated because that can feel a bit more pressure filled i feel like Mm -hmm. this was very much natural like we were getting we got food after the museum when we were eating and i mentioned that i was going home for like I think I'm gone for 17 days. The reason I know the exact number is because I've been trying to figure out a situation with my cats. And so I I know that I'm going to be gone for that long. And I was telling him about that. And he goes, wait, you're going to be gone for like two weeks? And when are we going to see each other? Wow. I'm like, good question, sir. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Very cute. Very flattering. Yeah. So, uh, So we decided we would do Friday. So this upcoming Friday. And then I made the suggestion, he likes to cook. He's specifically on our first date, we talked a lot about cooking. And he was bragging, really, in a cute way about his risotto recipe. Which is not easy to make. So if this man can make a good risotto, yeah, I'm going to be It requires a lot of patience. Risotto requires a lot of patience. It does. To get that consistency, um, very tough. Yeah, which, like, frankly, I, I don't have. I don't make risotto very often. <laughs> I've made it before, <laughs> but it's, like, annoying to me. So it's a lot. I'm all for somebody else doing it. Um, so I suggested that we have a cooking date. He's going to make risotto. We're going to do it at my place. Um, but he's going to make risotto, like bring all the stuff for that. I'm prepping the appetizers. And I'm also thinking I'm going to do like a fun mocktail. I think I mentioned he doesn't drink. Uh, I'm pretty sure he did, but maybe not. Yeah. No. But yeah. So um, that's cute. So yeah, I'm going to do like a little fun mocktail and I'm covering apps. He's going to do risotto and I, it's going to be really fun. I'm excited. That sounds really sweet. I'm excited for yeah. you. You seem yeah. uh, you seem uh, very uh, into this guy. I am. I am. I'm like still, you know, I'm, I I said to my mom today, I was talking to her about it and she was like, oh, you know, you still like, I had told her what I mentioned last week about how I'm not sure if our like lives are going to be fully aligned. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, are you still kind of feeling that way? And I was like, yeah, probably, but I, I think that's okay right now. Like, I don't think I need to know that quite yet um when would you say you feel like you should bring up more of those serious questions that could potentially be deal breakers it's a good question i think it depends on what it is like we've talked about we've talked about plenty of other serious stuff that could be deal breakers like wanting kids and you know uh, relationship to religion and like we've talked about a lot of that kind of stuff um I don't, I don't actually know if I have an answer for like when I would want to talk about like our financial future. Yeah. Well, it's more, to be honest, I'm surprised you even said that you talked about kids because I feel like what a lot of us do, right. Is when we're excited and we're having so much fun, we tend to hold back on those Mm. combos. And it's kind of the opposite. Like I mentioned when I'm like, I am unsure. I don't have this super excitement going into date three that then I'm more likely to bring these up to be like, okay, now let's focus on the compatibility part and not so much like the chemistry part. Right. Yeah. 
I think I might just be accustomed to weaving these things in when they come up. Yeah. I mean, so I th- we all try to do that, but yeah. <laughs> so I think, well, I think that I just am like, I, ju- I just think it for me, I think it just has been a little bit more natural to talk about some of those things, like the kids thing, like the religion thing in like a way that I'm now a lot. I know that we're aligned on the, on a, on a few of those things, but like we didn't have like a, a talk about it, you know? But like, do you know where he stands on kids? Is he yeah. also? Unsure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're in the same, we're in the same camp. Okay. All right. There's that. Yeah. Cause that was actually gonna be something I was going to ask you anyway, because I feel like this book mentions kids a lot and emphasizes it a lot because unfortunately as women, we have our fertility windows, you know, as yep. we've been talking about on the show as well. So I was curious, like how you felt about the advice from the book being the standpoint of unsure, more leaning on the side of no, because I was reading this book being like, well, I feel like this book is really speaking to me because it's being like, hey, if you really want these kids, realistically, when do you want to have them? And yeah, you know, maybe I have to make my own dating parameters wider, per se. Yeah, I think I mean, that's definitely one of the reasons why it's not as like urgent that I mm-hmm. figure out if somebody and I are like long-term compatible because there is, I don't, because I don't know. And I'm very much open to not, I wouldn't say that I'm like leaning no, but I'm very you much wouldn't? open to not. You no. wouldn't say you're leaning no. I feel like you have said that on this show a few times. Well, so, okay, here's, here's how I feel about it. Because I don't currently have a partner, I know that I'm not going to pursue single motherhood. Okay. So because fair. I don't, because I don't currently have a partner, that that's the reason why I've said before that I'm quote leaning no because I'm more so like, well I'd want to make that decision with a partner and like the chances that that happens within like a certain window where I would still want to, but I but like all things being equal I think I'm like very much fifty fifty, but all things aren't equal because I don't have a partner and I am thirty six, and I don't I also don't think that I'd want to have kids at like. 48 or something. I don't know. I made that number up, but like, there's just like so many things that go into it that like, mm-hmm. it's probably a no. And like, I'm fine with that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I just, I guess I was more wondering with our book being the topic, if you mm-hmm. felt like this book was like pushing you to make a call mm. in your dating I- criteria going forward. Good question. To be like, let I, me let me try for sure just dating people that don't want kids and like see how that feels and use that as like a filter on my dating app or something. I didn't feel that way when I was reading it, but I did feel like it's interesting that you were saying that you were saying that you felt like it was talking to you a lot. There mm-hmm. were a lot of parts of the book where I was like, I don't think this book is meant for me. I mean, that I'm also not surprised about, but yeah. <laughs> For more reasons I was reading it that. like, I bet Allie's loving this book. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading it the whole time being like, I'm curious how Allie is taking this book because there are parts of it I like. There's parts of it I don't like. I'm going to say that about every book that has to do with dating relationships. Um, you know, the title alone, The Case for Settling for Mr. Good Enough, okay, is part yeah. of there. I mean, yeah, there's clickbait. Obviously, there's clickbait there. Yes, but I, I feel like it does actually back what's in the book in a way so a question we talked about before doing this topic is like what are some things you would quote settle for now that maybe you wouldn't have settled for when we were younger 
and and not saying that settling's a bad thing just like things we thought mattered that were like you know what now i'm like that's okay yeah things that you're like more open about well before we get into the book topics there's something else that i wanted to talk about oh sorry go, go for it uh that is that our portugal trip is officially live oh shit i'm a part of that yes <laughs> yes <Portugal. laughs> i forgot it's it's my own update Listen, I have been, my nose has been in this book all day. <laughs> I've been very into this book. Oh, amazing. Okay, sorry. Yes, Portugal trip is live, which is our mother-daughter trip. So yes, we are officially going to Portugal with our moms. We are so excited to invite our listeners, our followers, and their moms. We're going October 4th to 10th, 2024. It, it feels so far away, but based on our other trips, I know that it's going to come faster than we know. Yes, but plenty of time to plan. So if you're interested... Currently, we have not posted on our Instagrams yet, so if you're listening to this pod, you're getting a little bit of an early, early sneak peek here. Um, but yes, very, very excited. My mom's very excited. Uh, I've never been to Portugal, so I'm excited for the whole thing. It's going to be amazing. Um, yeah, so if you're listening to this on Monday, November 20th, go to the links in our bios. It is there. It is just secretly there, and we are going to post about it tomorrow on Tuesday, so get in there. I'm also really excited. I have been to Portugal once. I spent a few days in Lisbon with a couple of my friends a while ago, and I'm really pumped because we spent a lot of time with Trova Trip, who we're planning the trip with, on the hotel that we're staying at in Lisbon. Typically, they stay in a different place within the city. We went back and forth with them. We're staying like right in the heart of everything. I'm just, I'm so excited for the location. Yeah, it'll make it very easy if you want to go out and not have to take cabs and easy to stay together as a group as well. So I'm very, very excited because you want, you want that prime location near the water beautiful so important so yeah check that out listen up guys if you haven't heard yet we're coming to the dc comedy loft for another live podcast thursday march 21st get your tickets we are i think over halfway sold out already well over halfway sold out so get your tickets if you want to come experience some magic live we want to meet you we want to talk to you we're going to have so much fun and it's also Allie's birthday that week it is my birthday that week, so and my mom might be there. I'm excited. You can go to findingmrheight.com slash live to find an easy link, also in our bios, to get those tickets. And we are going to have an after party afterwards where we can really meet and greet, talk to everybody somewhere in the area. Yeah. So make sure you come. DC Comedy Loft, Thursday, March 21st. And if you want to check out some stand-up, I'm going to be there all weekend. So Friday and that Saturday, I'll be doing stand-up shows. Start swiping on Hinge. Bring a date. Have a good time. and. You'll, you can come and meet Allie's mom, which we still have some spots left on our Portugal trip. And a little update on that. A few of you reached out to us about, hey, I want to come either, unfortunately, I don't have my mom anymore, or I want to come with my aunt. I want to come with my sister. I just want to come with a friend. The trip is officially open to anybody that would like to come, as long as you don't mind. Half the trip being moms and daughter combos. Everybody's excited to come. Doesn't matter. You are welcome to join. Travel with us. It's going to be so, so fun. You can also check that out at findingmrheight.com slash podcast. If you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out. We're happy to answer anything. We're just so excited to be there with our moms and with you. Yep. Next October, October 4th through 10th. Check it out. Come travel with us too. And now we can get into our book. Okay. So what are you settling <laughs> for, Allie? <laughs> What's on your settle list? The biggest thing that came up for me as I was thinking about, like you said, things that used to be important to me or that I thought were deal breakers that no longer are, the, the number one thing that came to mind was the person's relationship to their family. Mm. 
That's a good one. I used to think, and don't get me wrong, I would love to date somebody, marry somebody who is close to their family, whose family I like. Obviously, these things would be great. I used to, though, think that it was so important and that, you know, I'm really close to my family and I want somebody who also is and all of this stuff. And not only have I, has like growing up, I think just changed that perspective. I also, though, think that a lot of it has been influenced by having more adult conversations with my mom about Mm. this topic. Interesting. Like, I don't know if there's things you could share or not share, but. Yeah. So, yeah, because this is like about me. So my dad was not close to his family. Some Mm -hmm. people in his family, but my dad, put it this way, my dad had an extremely difficult upbringing and they had a beautiful marriage and a beautiful family. And like he was able to, through a lot of work, work through that and like connect with someone and have a really healthy relationship with someone despite the fact that he never saw it himself. And he actually thought he never wanted to get married when he was younger Mm, because he didn't think – because he didn't have the model. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And often it's – I feel like – because I also had that on my list is – and it's something that's like I would love it and it would used to be this mentality because I felt like people wouldn't understand how close I was with my own family unless they were also close with their family. And I have found that to be true sometimes, but not necessarily, you know? Yeah. I mean, the other thing I joked to you about this, and this is like more a joke than anything else, but like, hey, if they're not close to their family, we just get to go to mine all the time and we never have to worry about it. We're like, whose family Uh, are we going to for Thanksgiving? (laughs) Mine. (laughs) You don't like yours. It's true. I mean, that's that's something with like, uh, there's been a few marriages in my family that are, you know, people that were raised Catholic, married Jewish. And at first it was kind of like, well, is this going to work? And then immediately all the in-laws were like, we get them for the Jewish holidays. You get them for the Catholic holidays. Both in-laws are pretty happy, you know? Like, Fantastic. Okay. Look at that silver lining, you know? So reasonable, reasonable. Yeah. I, I mean, know. as I lo- as I look back on my childhood, we spent way more time with my mom's family. It's the reason that I'm more connected to my Norwegian heritage than I am to my black or my Mexican heritage mm-hmm. is because we spent the vast majority of our time with my mom's family. Yeah, it makes sense, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm like, do you want me to go physical appearance here or other things? Because I got, I got like, like two lists. Wherever you want to start. You got a list? I got, I got, I made a whole list because I, then I got on a roll. I was like, yeah, what else does it matter? Um, <laughs> but then at the same time, I'd write things. I was like, no, this one does actually matter. That one still matters. Like teeth. Did you try to write down teeth? Okay. Okay. Actually, great. You bring this up. I actually wrote down that teeth is something I am willing to settle for. How about that? How much? What kind of teeth? <sighs> I mean, I guess it's a little debatable. However, however. I, when I was making this list, I was thinking about, like, there are so many things that, like, can change that are not important things in the long long haul, right? Mm-hmm. And what made me think of the teeth thing was two things. Um, the nurse that I ended up dating for a bit. Originally, the primary reason I was not physically attracted to him was teeth. And eventually, oh. I got over it. So there was that aspect where I was like, well, attraction can grow, and this is something that I have been able to get over. I'm also not going to lie to you, though. There was something in the back of my head that was like, he just needs braces. 
<laughs> yeah, true. Where, and I'm not saying you should go into relationships with a fix-it mentality, but sometimes it might actually help you a little bit to go, that's something that can change. And if it still bothers me, whatever years down the road, hey, maybe they'd be open to changing it, right? You still should accept yeah. if they're not willing to change it. But like something like that, I also thought like style. You're like, oh, I would like someone that I like their style, how they dress. At the same time, most men don't care. And you buy them a shirt, they'll wear that shirt. So, <laughs> you know, style is another thing on my list that like, um, I remember making the opposite of the settling list, the like what you want in a partner list, right? And it's like, if you could really have everything, like someone's style that I liked was on that list. And now older, I'm like, does that really matter? No, not really. Funny style was also on my list. That you're willing to settle for. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah, because, and it, it, it seems obvious, but like, that is something that I was like, oh, like, for example, although now they're like coming back into style, I guess, you know, those like Tiva sandals. Yeah, they're like the hiking outdoorsy sandal. Yeah. Yeah. I used to see those on a dating app profile and immediately swipe left. Oh, really? On the profile, you'd swipe left. I understand yeah. being annoyed by them in real life, but the profile is pretty harsh. I, yeah, agreed. Agreed. This was a long time ago. A lot of these things are things that I like overcame in yeah. my 20s. Um, but those types of knee-jerk reactions, because and to be fair, those sandals still give me the ick. But, like, I can overcome that. And to your point, somebody's style is fluid. And not to say that, like you said, not to say that I should, that anybody should bank on changing someone, but more so that, like, that isn't most likely a, like, immovable aspect of their personhood. Yeah. And I'll also be the first to say, like, I know how to bring it in my style, but there's also mm -hmm. many days I don't feel like fucking bringing it. So I also oh, wouldn't want someone to hold that against me. If they were like, you're going mm -hmm. to the grocery store in a sweatshirt, I'd be like, yeah, because oh, it's God. cold in there and it's, and I'm tired or whatever the reason, you know? So it's also like, even as stylish as someone can, can be, are we always at that level all the time? No. Does it matter in the long run? No. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some of these ones, uh, which ones do I want to say on the list that might be like, I don't want to say more surprising, but almost like little more on thought. your list yeah another one that i used to think was a deal breaker and isn't anymore is likes animals and like uh, really wants pets i can't believe you said that that's on my list but i don't have pets so i'm surprised it's on yours so there's there's two there's two levels of this i can't be with somebody who for them it's a deal breaker to have them because well, yes, I have yeah. them and they're not going anywhere. So like right. that, my cats aren't going anywhere. 100% deal breaker. But I used to think that it was important to me to want to date somebody who also like loved animals and wanted to like also adopt a dog and take care of that dog together and like have family pets. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you mean. But so that's, that's a big one for you then to be like, all right, we don't have to have that. If I don't have that part of my life, like my life's not over. Yeah. And that, that is a more recent one where like, again, maybe I'm cheating a little bit because like I have the cats already, but like <laughs> technically they're, you know, that they're not obviously humans have a way longer life than cats do. So like I could see a world in which somebody is like, you know what, like I'm just not into pets and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I guess we won't have more. Have more. Okay. Cause that's, that was going to be my question. Like, I feel like you're essentially saying that the day the cats are no longer with us, 
if the person you can say like, it when my cats want more die. Cats. All right. Uh, well, you know, I just, it's uh, you know, as a not animal person, I'm trying to yeah. be sensitive to those. Oh. But it's you know, it's a sad thought to have. But it's like, okay, I'll be fine. I'm not going to be like, well, this marriage is over. You know. <laughs> yeah. You know. No, completely. But I used to feel that way. I used to. Yeah. Really, really think it was important because pets were such a huge part of my upbringing. But it's it's really not as important to me. Though, again, just to be super clear, my current cats are. So, like, that yes, yes, would yes. be a deal breaker. And all these things are still nice to have. Like, I would still love to have somebody who adores animals. Right. Exactly. Um, okay. So, one I had on my list that I don't ever feel like I've had to actively have as a thing, but I guess it was always there in the back of my mind, was college educated. That's something that, especially nowadays, I really don't think matters that much in the long run at least to me personally it doesn't it's so funny that's also on my list the college educated and thing this comes up a lot in my coaching calls too where people have that mm. on their deal breakers and then we like I'm like oh tell me more about that one so t- so tell me more for you like what what's changed for you there um well to be honest it's just that i know so many people personally that did not go to college yeah. and first of all are still very successful and two, good at what they do. And the industries that they're in do not need a college education. And obviously mm-hmm. I'm in entertainment. And so primarily I'm thinking like podcast producers, video editors, like, and often these people, I would almost say not, I don't want to say more smart, but they're more curious where they, like a lot of them did go to one year of college and they were like, oh, I could look up stuff on YouTube and teach myself. Why would I pay thousands and thousands of dollars to teach myself something? I can use these resources and learn. And the career I want, I typically don't need a degree for anyway, necessarily. Right. They need like the skills, but not necessarily the piece of paper. Right. And there's still companies out there. Like I think Huffington Post was one. My friend applied for a job and they were like, you're perfect for the job, but it's just company policy. You need a college education. Unfortunately, that's still a thing at a lot of places, but more and more places are removing that, especially when it's like portfolio work is like, this is my work. Do you like it? I made it, you know? So also from like a diversity, equity and inclusion perspective, having that requirement hinders a lot of DEI work because there's like access Mm -hmm. related to having a college education and somebody could have the skills that you need and just not have that piece of paper. For sure. And I've actually seen more women or had more friends have this requirement when they had higher education. So not college, graduate level. Like I have a master's. I should be with someone that has a master's. And it's like, there's so many fields that having a master's isn't going to make you more money. So what's the necessary part of like having that, you know, not that money is the most important thing, but I'm like, same thing. It's like, you're weeding out people that I don't think you need to. I usually ask when I see that on a client's deal breaker list, I usually ask why, like, why do you want that? Is it just because you want it or are there reasons? Usually what comes up, it's interesting that you said curiosity because usually what comes up is intellectual curiosity Mm -hmm. and that they're looking for somebody who has intellectual curiosity. I'm like, okay, totally valid. Going to college doesn't mean you have that. In fact, I know a lot of people I went to school with who couldn't give a shit about school. They are not intellectually curious mm-hmm. in the least and they have college degrees. Yeah. Valid point. Like they don't satisfy your actual requirement, even though they technically do. Yeah. I think something similar to this too, is when someone says like, I want someone that reads a lot. It's like, okay, I spend a lot of my life 
having to keep up with social media and learning new video and editing skills just for the job that I have, that it's mm -hmm. like, yeah. So at the end of the day, I already have been learning that I'm like, I don't want to pick up a book and learn more, you know, yeah, sue I totally me. Get that. Right. So it's something that I'm like, just cause someone like quote reads a lot or doesn't read a lot, I think also is another thing that's like, does that really, you know, solidify, you know, intellect, intellect in any way. Um, yeah. because another no, thing I, I wrote so. down, I don't read, I don't read that much. I mean, I read stuff that interests me or like things for this podcast, like self-help stuff. I had a self-help kick for a while. So I read a lot during that time, but then it was yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> I'm not, and I've I, naturally never been a super reader. I just haven't, you know, I, I have been, and I love reading, but it just isn't something I prioritize. I don't, I, I don't want to say I don't have the time because I, I, I would, if I did you could. Didn't do other things, I could, <laughs> I absolutely could, but it's like, it's not something I prioritize. But that, like you said, that has no bearing on my curiosity to learn stuff or how smart I am. Yeah, exactly. Um, so something I put that I feel like is common for a lot of people. We'll often say that we want someone that has the same interests as us. But I've wrote that that actually doesn't matter to me anymore. I think it's more like, are you cool with me going and doing my own thing then if we don't have that same interest? Because I feel that way when someone has an interest that I don't. I'm like, oh, that's great. You go do that. Have fun. Have fun. Have fun. Yeah. Not grounds yeah. for divorce, you know? <laughs> One that I that I go back and forth on that I – honestly, it goes I, – I, I have these lists in general of like deal breakers, must-haves, nice-to-haves, et cetera, is somebody who likes to hang out in groups. Oh, like who, extroverted. Yeah, and and who like enjoys group activities and who enjoys group trips and hanging out in big groups of people because I do that all the time. And if they don't like that, then they won't spend a lot of time with my friends. And so that is a deal breaker or it's something now you're willing to settle for. It's something I go back and forth on. It's something that I have okay. attempted to settle for in the past. And it hasn't it. gone well. That doesn't mean that I like won't or can't ever, but I've tried and those people weren't right for me for other reasons. And so maybe that was just one additional thing that didn't work, but it's been I get it. tough. Uh, I actually wrote on mine extroverted. I used to think I need someone else who's extroverted because I'm extroverted. Mm -hmm. uh, but I've found like, yeah, a lot of times like I don't, I don't mind if I'm out by myself per se, but also because my job is out so much that a lot of times I'm finding, and maybe it's just me getting older, there's more and more times I want to stay in. So I'm like, yeah. actually, maybe it would be annoying if I had an extroverted person that's like, it's finally your night off, so we got to go out. And I'm like, no, <laughs> not tonight. <laughs> no, this was pajama night. How dare you? you know? <laughs> How dare you interrupt pajama okay. night? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, maybe I would love the introverted guy that's almost like my cat that's home. And I come home and he's there to agree. Yeah, what's so hard, you know, what's so hard is that like you can't because I, I like my nights in as well, but it's like there's no guarantee that I, that we're both going to want that at the same time. Right. Even yeah. if there's somebody who likes both of those things, it's just been it's been really hard for me in the past. Like ASV is a great example. ASV used to get extremely drained from big group activities I think, though, there was also a thing there where he wasn't very good at setting those boundaries for himself and would and I would be like, you don't have to come to this thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I can go like, it's OK or you can leave or, you know, and I like genuinely was OK with that. And he was like, no, no, no. But then he was miserable. 
Yeah. And then I could tell he was miserable. And then it like brought my night down because I knew he wasn't having a good time. It would have been so much better if he just wasn't there. Exactly. See, I feel like that's the scenario people end up in more, which makes you say, okay, you just stay home then. Yeah. You know, or promise me like come to one out of every five, but like, we're going to be in a good mood for the one out of every five, you know? Yeah. 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 So, so that's the reason I go back and forth on that one because I I've tried and it's been tricky for that. No, one. I get it. I get it. Um, all right. Well, there is a lot of content in this book, so I feel like we should move on to the yes, book. Here. Yes, it is. So I did not say the title earlier, but marry him, the case for settling for Mr. Good enough. And it's written by Lori Gottlieb, which has a few, uh, different, different books. Um, but yes. So I guess, how would you summarize this book briefly? I'm curious, like what stuck out to you is like, the most prominent I th- advice or something. I think, well, first of all, the title is obviously clickbaity. Well, yeah, they all are. So like, yeah. that's the first thing that sticks out to me is I'm like, okay, Lori, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, we should note this book is pretty old. It came out in 2010. It, it has like pretty regular, if you search for it, resurgences on like social media and the internet where like all of a sudden everyone discovers it again. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, we should talk about this book. And she's, as you mentioned, she's written stuff since. Um, but so that's the first thing that stuck out is like, okay, I get we're trying to be f- splashy with this. For me, I think that a lot, I think, has changed since this book was written too. So I think there's like some aspects of like the way that we're meeting people and just like the way that we're interacting with people that I think are a little bit different. But overall, I think what I heard from it is that women have unrealistic expectations. Mm, okay. So that was your, that was like away. the overarching thing that I thought was like hitting me over the head was like, your, your expectations are unrealistic is what I felt like the book was telling me. I mean, it mentions height a lot in the book, so I could see why yeah, you would take it that it way. Being like it's saying my expectations are too high. Um, how I would summarize it in the briefest way I could is you know, and it's a heterosexual book, so bear with me. Uh, the men that we are saying no to when we're younger and we're passing by are people when we're older, we are going to look back on and say, oh, actually, I want that guy now. However, we've missed the boat. He's married. Like, oh, no, no, it's more that guy now no longer wants us. And it, and it gives like age things, so I'm trying to say it without age. But it essentially is basically being like, as a 40-year-old woman, woman, suddenly you want the 40-year-old man, and this is where the kids part comes in. They're like, but if that guy really wants kids, he's most likely going to go for someone 35 and under, or 35 yeah. to 30, whatever range. Um, that overall gist of the book, I don't think is wrong, though. I think, it's, I think we all do that a little bit of like hindsight 2020, especially if we still are single at a certain age. You know, like... Yeah. I've said it about icks, right? The ick is the big popular thing. It's mm-hmm. funny. We all talk about it. We all, we've all said it. We've all been like, ah, I got the ick about this thing. However, it's something with myself. I'll say I have a little bit of an ick about this, but I know that that ick is like an immature thing that does not matter in the long run. And like I will my push myself. Yes, like the sandals. And it's something that I will push myself now. Maybe I wouldn't have in my 20s, but I'll push myself now to be like, Erica, get over it. Like, you have an ick. It's a quick little feeling get over it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So then I feel like now the question is more like, what is, what is the valid 
you know, I don't even want to call them mixed because I feel like it's a different category, but almost like what's a validic, you know what I mean? Versus not valid. I, I think where I started to feel like the book was maybe not talking to me is in this sense that the the central thesis is that the the ultimate goal is to get married. That's how I that's how I interpreted mm-hmm. it. And that not doing that is a failure. And 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 I don't know that that's what what she intended, but that's that's as I was reading it what I was hearing and it was like, oh well, if you want these things, then you have unrealistic te- expectations for how you're going to get them. And part of the reason that I felt that way may maybe because I am not a yes on kids. Like I, I'm an I don't know, and I'm totally cool if I don't have them. So for me, there is not the runway is much longer in terms of like when I'm comfortable meeting somebody, meeting my long term partner. Obviously, but it would be I, wonderful if that happened now. But like, it isn't as I don't have as short of a runway. I have the I have more of that luxury in that sense. So I, I get that that part of it is not as applicable to me. It's interesting to say the failure thing because I'm like, first I'm like someone who doesn't want marriage. I'd be like, yeah, don't read this book. That if you don't want marriage, do whatever you do. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah. But I guess <laughs> the book is I called Miriam. So <laughs> well, yeah. But I guess I guess I more was reading it as a binary. I I was interpreting it as a binary where it's like if you want marriage, then you must. And if obviously if you don't, you wouldn't read a book called Miriam. But like. I just feel like there's more for me. I think it sits on more of a spectrum where it's like, yes, I really do want long-term partnership. And for me, I I would love to be married. But like the things that I feel are really important to me, I understand that not everybody is going to have those things and that I am narrowing my pool as a result. And I'm like, I'm okay with that. And I felt like there wasn't space for that in the book, at least the way that, that it was hitting me. Well, I feel like the book essentially says, and because the author herself is, what, 42? When she's in this process, she hires a dating coach, mm-hmm. she does a matchmaker, she does all these different things. And essentially, she's realizing the problem is her and how she's picking these men. Mm-hmm. And the book is encouraging all women to widen whatever their standards are. Yeah. And I think a great point it makes, though, is like, there's specifically something I read and it had, I believe it was her, the author, gave like whatever top things of men and one was height and one was income and one whatever and the dating coach was like okay so you've narrowed this down to like the one percent of men right and he was like let's just take your general standard of height was the example they used and it was like 15 percent of men are six feet and up mm-hmm. he said okay that's 15 percent of men and then there's 80 there's 80 percent of women who want that and just on simple math, all the 80% of women are not going to get all of those 15% men. It just, it doesn't add up. So I feel like this book is just pushing everybody to be like, what truly matters? What truly matters in the long haul? And it does push you to change your standards, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. I guess I just, it just hit me as a little too binary. It hit me as like a little too simplified that it was like marriage equals happy and single equals sad. And oh, like, see, I didn't get that part from it. Oh, that's how that's how it landed for me. I mean, there was a chapter that was like, was it literally called like, feminism has fucked up dating or something? Yes. Uh, but what I thought that chapter made a good point is, it's like, a lot of women will feel pressure to 
like focus on the career part. Right. And I don't mm -hmm. think that's a bad thing, but an example to use was a girl who did have this great guy and loved him and was 24, but everyone was telling her like, but you're only 24 and you shouldn't, you shouldn't commit to this guy. Now you don't know what else is out there. Right. That's the whole theme of the book is like, but there could be better. Like there could be yeah. better. And essentially she goes through life and is like, you know, I, I didn't like that. It was pushed on me that like, I couldn't focus on my career and also have this great guy. It was like, I had to choose. And I think that's what a lot of us feel is like, okay, we should be focused on our career and we should be doing this and blah, blah, blah. But then there's this voice in our back of our head that is being like, are you putting any time and effort into dating or this and that and all these other things? So I understand hundred percent what you're saying. Cause I've had those feelings before too, but at the same time, it's like, especially if you want kids, it's like, well, you do have to be a little more realistic about it. Like, okay, what years do I want that to happen? And and essentially, you got to ask your question, yourself the question, like, will I regret or will I be upset if I am single by a certain age or whatever the thing is? Like, I hate to say age because I don't want to be ageist, but it's essentially saying, like, in that chapter, one of the things I took from it was a lot of times, like, you are unhappy being single, but we feel like we're not allowed to say that. Mm. And we're pushed to be like, but my life's great and I shouldn't settle and I shouldn't waver on any of these things. And like, you know, I, instead of settling, I would, I'd rather be alone than settle. That's like a big theme, right? I would rather be alone than settle. But then the question is, are you truly happy alone though? Or do we yeah, all hit a point where we go, okay, actually I'm tired of being alone. Whenever that happens to us that we go, okay, now I'm willing to settle on more things, you know? Yeah. I think that's an important question to ask. And I think I, I really appreciated the earlier dating parts of the book when it talked about, like, there's a part of the book where she talks about how men tend to have fewer deal breakers for a second date. It's like what we were talking about earlier in terms of like reasons to go on a second date. Women just in anecdotally, but like, this, this is true in terms of just people that I've spoken to, like women tend to make earlier judgments about things that happen in earlier dating and rule people out. And I think like men are more go like they're more going with like a feeling <laughs> and women are not as much doing that. Mm -hmm. And I think leading in early dating to ruling people out because they're like, eh, it was just okay. Yeah. It was, they literally did a study of asking women, like what's the reason you won't go on a second date? And they emailed back, 300 different types of reasons <laughs> and men was basically three not attracted like, to them not attracted not kind. not kind she wasn't very warm yeah that's it they're purely going just based on how do i feel being around you and not yeah. sitting at a table across from women critiquing every single little thing right um and i'll make the argument of like i think why some women are a little bit more critiquey or judgy and i'll say specifically with like jobs mm. is especially if you want kids there's this thing where you're like i think a lot of us have this thought maybe subconsciously where you're you're with somebody and it's like okay we both work we make this amount of money whatever however it's nice to have the option to stay home with the kids if i end up wanting to do that because that's also a factor we can't fully predict and i've seen it go both ways i've seen women have kids and be like i am so excited to get back to the office like this home life is not for me 
And then I've yeah. seen the most ambitious women that have high earning careers and crushing it, have a baby. And they're like, something has changed in me and I can't explain it, but I want to be home with this kid and I don't have my drive to work anymore. So there is some security with like, hey, if down the line, I actually decide I would want to be home with the kids, even if it's for a few years, we have the option. And how nice is it to have that option? Yeah. And that's something that men don't really think about at all. Yeah. Yeah. Men have, men have the luxury not to have to really worry about any of that shit no. regarding having kids. Timelines or, you know, you know, like time away from work or like all of that stuff has, yeah, it has no bearing on their life decisions. Right. Like having the kid, they don't sit there and go, oh man, I'm probably not going to get that promotion then if I have a kid this year. And that's a thought right. that we all have. Exactly. Right. Or that I'm going to have to be off work for this amount of time. And then I'm going to like that. Yeah, exactly. That's something that they just like don't have to deal with. Right. So I'm like, on that front, I'm like, eh, I understand a little bit why women might be more critiquey. But I do agree that overall, I, I do think women are a little bit more picky, where it's more we think about it a lot more. We're a little more analytical. Yeah, I think I think also, and the, the book brings this up too, about, I think I hear a lot of women falsely attributing stuff that they're seeing either on a dating app profile or in early dating to something in the long term. Like yes. they've made, an, they're making an assumption that a thing that they're reading or hearing or whatever it is, is going to mean this other thing in two years. Yeah. And the author that wrote the book was like, one of the worst I've seen at that, that chapter about her online dating. I was like, this oh my is God. wild to me. And even a lot of the stories she uses from other women, I was like, damn, I thought I was picky, but like, I'm nowhere near the picky level of some of these stories, which is wild. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny that you say that because as I, <laughs> this was not the intent of the book, but as I was reading it, I was like, I'm fine. I'm not that picky. <laughs> Well, like, exactly. Like I was like, all right, I don't have these standards. This is crazy. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. Those, those women, they definitely needed to open their standards. Me, I'm good. <laughs> uh, so an interesting thing it said, and now granted online dating was kind of new in the popularity. I'm curious what you thought about when it said they actually think it's worse to have too much information about a person on their profile. I actually, that's a piece that I resonated with. And you're right. It It is different because it, this book was written at a time. And I remember thinking this when I was reading that part, this book was written at a time when that was like, so new. <laughs> like right. it was like, oh my God, I have all this information about this person that feels overwhelming. Like, you know, and now it's just so much more normalized. That's one of the things that I meant about how different stuff is now in terms of how we meet people that I mm -hmm. think it, I don't think this is as true now as it was then, but I do still think that the thing I was saying about people seeing something on a profile and deciding that that means some massive issue later, it's like the more information that we have about someone, the more things we're going to make up in our head about what this person is. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So then when and they show like a flaw to our own fantasy, it like knocks them down more points instead of it says like building the fantasy through meeting them and getting to know them. Exactly. I read this other book a long time ago that we should also talk about at some point, but that was like, it talked about how when we have a perception of someone, like, let's say that we get a little inkling, you know what? It's actually kind of like um, that lawyer you went out with mm. when you got that little inkling that maybe he was kind of abrasive. 
Yeah. Like there was something just like rubs people the wrong way. Right. And that was something that you perceived about him like in person. But when you get like an inkling about someone and now you're out there confirming it and Mm -hmm. like the information that you're getting about this person is now being filtered through this lens that you have, good or bad. Mm -hmm. And the same thing that person A is doing Person B is doing the exact same thing, but you think differently about each of them because of like the filter you have about them. Yes, exactly. Which is hard to avoid sometimes. Completely. Yeah. So I was actually talking in a a coaching call recently about profiles that don't have a whole lot of information. Mm -hmm. And a lot of women will see that as like, oh, lack of effort, which don't get me wrong. I I understand that. But like, oh, you know, he's not putting any effort in. Like, I'm definitely going to swipe left on these profiles that are blank and da-da-da-da-da. My thought is, if you think he's cute or, you know, something intrigues you about a picture or whatever, why don't you see how much effort he puts into a conversation? And then if he's being lazy there too, yeah, bye. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's playing the benefit of the doubt game. Yeah, and that I do – I did resonate with that part of the book of like – giving more i think there's like an uh something to be said for giving people more of the benefit of the doubt and and to do that you do have to open your minds and open your standards a little bit yeah which can be which can be hard because like i don't know if you've ever felt this okay Mm. there there have been times i already feel like i am quote settling like let's use the classic term for the word settling in like the bad way i guess uh, there have been times that I've been on a first date feeling like I am already settling being on this date. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think where that often will come from is a little bit of like comparison to our friends or people that are close to us that yeah. appear to us to have found like this high standard, perfect guy. And maybe not perfect. I wouldn't even say perfect. Just like we look at their guy and we're like, oh, he fits all the things like that I would love. My like, it, like my whole list feels like it's in that person, right? Yeah. And so part of you kind of looks at your friend and, and you're like, it's not that you don't love your friend, you're not happy for her. But part of you kind of looks over to your right and to your left and you're like, okay, like a basic thing like height. I have plenty of tall friends that are with men that are taller than them. So there are days where I sit there and I go, but why can't I also just have the guy that's taller than me? or mm. the guy that's this and that and, and and it's and it's very very hard and and i feel like that's like a natural feeling and i feel like that's a feeling this book talks about is like a lot of times those friends are also the ones pumping us up and pushing us to not settle in that way where they're like you're so amazing and you deserve a guy that's just as great as the guy i have but what's hard is there's certain there's certain components of that that it's like, we know at the end of the day, or for a long-term marriage to work, you know, it's not important, right? Yeah. Like, the height doesn't necessarily make someone a good or bad partner. However, I totally, totally get and understand, and I've also had that feeling of like, but why can't I have that? Why am I being told I should, I should just be like, okay, get rid of that standard, get rid of that want, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I get it. I can look at the data and I get it. I get it both sides. But I've also been that person on a date being like, I already feel like I'm settling. And it wasn't even necessarily height, just like other things. Where other I was like, things. I'm already pushing yeah. myself to go on the state. And I kind of hate that I already have that feeling in me. I've 
definitely been on dates where I feel that way. And I don't, I don't think it's a healthy way that I feel like, I don't right. like, like I wish I, I didn't. Way. Yeah. But, same. You know. But I, but I've been there. You know what delusional thought I have when I hear that 15% height stat? Hmm. I'm like, well, I'm in the top less than 1%. So why can't I want the top 15%? Oh, this is so interesting. You said this because this is in the book. Yeah. It basically says to women, and I think Rourke said this line to me, this kind of sums it up. It's like, all of us like want Brad Pitt, but are we Angelina Jolie? Yeah. And it's like, most likely no to both fronts. You know what I mean? Like most likely that guy's I mean, not really bad Brit and we're not really Angelina Jolie. You know what I mean? No. Like, but, but a hundred percent, I get that where you're just like, it's, it's the comparison thing where you're like, or, yeah. or you think very highly of yourself. And there was, I have a thing. If you give me a second, I can find it that I found that was talking about this directly, but yeah. And, and to be clear, when I say top, top less than 1%, I'm referring to my height uh, related to other specifically. women. Okay. Yeah. Specifically. Like I am as a six foot tall woman. I am in the top less than one percentile mm-hmm. of women. So, and and again, I acknowledge up front this is delusional, but I'm like, well, if I'm top 0.5% or whatever the number is, like 15 feels reasonable. True, but the thing you're not factoring in is like, what does the 15% want? I How many know, of them yeah, want a tall woman or like, yeah. or just don't care? So their pool is just so their pool. I mean, their pool is everybody. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. And I, and, that's why I said it was delusional. <laughs> but <laughs> what did you think about the so you know we hear a lot I think of frustration from women about men wanting younger partners. Like you mentioned earlier the thing about like that 40-year-old guy that would have been interested in you. You're both 40 mm-hmm. and when you were both 30, he would have been interested in you, but now that you're both 40, he might not be. There was an aspect of of the book where the author was like encouraged, like trying to avoid that frustration, basically. That like being frustrated about that doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like this is easy for me to say because I'm 32. So I have yet to like really experience this. Or when I experience it, it's usually a guy who is immature and doesn't want something serious. Mm. So it doesn't really hurt me. I'm like, oh, you're not committing to the, you know, 25-year-old either. So I don't give a shit that right. you're picking her over me. Right, right. Talk to me at 40 and I'm still single and I'm frustrated the 40-year-old doesn't want to date me. I 100% will feel that. And to be honest, I don't know how I'll handle it if that day comes. <laughs> um, it's, I, I don't know. I feel like you have a thought, so you go first. No, I just was, when it was interesting when you were talking about how at your, like at the age you are at 32 and what you've experienced versus like, I remember opening Bumble on my birthday this year. Mm-hmm. I turned 36. And I noticed a difference in my beeline of people. Because I have, there's typically most people, if you pay for Bumble, you have a lot of people in your beeline. Like you're not like going through everybody all the time, right? Yeah. They were gone. Oh, interesting. Because their filters went up to 35. It's funny you say that because actually I did make a joke on stage once after my 30th birthday saying mm-hmm. that. I was like, I just turned 30, so that means I'm out of some of your dating apps now, <laughs> like <laughs> age range. And the crowd laughed, and I was like, I was half kidding, but I think that just made it real. I was like, oh, that's, right. like, that is yep, a fact. You're laughing because you're laughing it's true? Got it? Got it? Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, there is some assumptions made when you hit the new decade, right? I feel like with every decade, mm-hmm. there are assumptions made. Um I mean, it's one of those things that 
I would like to think if I am that age, I would try to just be like, I understand on a certain level, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's where I, I, I noticed it. I wasn't really upset by it at the time. And I very quickly forgot about it. And it doesn't occur to me almost ever now until I'm talking to a guy friend and have to yell at him for where his filters are, as mentioned the other week. Um, but I think that 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 is something that can feel really difficult if you're like, I can't even meet the guy, especially in this age where so much of meeting people is on dating apps mm-hmm. and there it feels so much harder to meet somebody in person. The guy that you meet at the restaurant, at the bar, at, in the lobby of a hotel, whatever, he doesn't know how old you are. He's not yeah. – He's not, there's not like an age filter on his glasses. Like he doesn't fucking know. He just walks up to you because he thinks you're hot. And it can feel frustrating on a dating app to be like, you're not even going to see me. Like you're not even allowing yourself to see me. And that can feel frustrating. And so, and, and so I did, I did appreciate her kind of saying like, yes, this is true. Acknowledge your frustration, but like, it's not serving you. No, because you... I mean, you're just going to waste your breath trying to, like, change people's minds. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to change you them. Know. You're not – you're like, you know, the guy I was talking to uh, – talking about the other week about his age filters, he changed them back. Yeah. I mean, I talked to you about your height filter. You changed it back. So. I did. I did. <laughs> you know? But it's, like, the same thing of – I guess maybe the way women can be more understanding with this is, like, well, a lot of us don't want to date younger. You know what I mean? Like, at 32, I'm not saying yes to a 26-year-old. So then, like, why am I so mad at 40 that that guy's saying yes to, you know, what's six years younger? 34. Yeah, fair. It's like, okay, like, why am I so mad he'll go younger but not older when a guy could be mad at me that I wouldn't go younger for him, but I'll go older Mm -hmm. for another guy? So it's like, Mm -hmm. it's just reversed. So when you look at it that way, maybe it's like, okay, we all have our preferences with that. I mean, yeah. I... Like, and I always talk to, when I talk to coaching clients and when I'm like, when I've talked to my therapist about this in terms of, you know, preferences and things like that, I'm like, you can have whatever preferences you want. One, as long as you're not making anybody feel shitty for not meeting them. Like, that's obvious. But two, as long as you accept what those preferences are doing to your dating pool. So like you said about the 15% thing, like, Mm -hmm. I accept it. And I'm like constantly evaluating if I want to continue to accept it. But I think like that part is important. And I I did like that aspect of the book of just like, hey, think about this. Like, are you aware of how much you are limiting yourself? Are you, you are? Okay. Well, I guess, and I hope you don't mind me asking, but it, this is, I think the book is pushing you to ask this question. So you're 36 now. Mm -hmm. Let's say you're 46. You're still single, never been married. Do you feel like at 46, you're going to look back and say to your younger self, you should have changed some of those preferences? Not the ones I currently have, no. No. So you're like, if I'm single at 46 and it was just because I did a height filter, you're like, I accept that. I'm not going to be upset that I'm still single. I'm going to sit there and go, no, I still want the height filter. I think those are two different questions. Will I be upset that I'm still single? Well, I said your preferences and that's one of them. No, no, no. But but the, but your question about like, will will I be bummed that I'm still single. Yes, because I am currently. Okay. But enough to have wished that I had changed something or that specific thing? No. 
So you don't think you'll ever look back and be like, not, I mean, this is hard to answer. We we don't know if we'll ever look back. Who knows? But I don't think so. I don't feel that way now. Okay. And I, like you said, I don't know how I will feel, but I, I do know that I have tried to date people that are shorter than me and I have consistently felt bad about it and it has not made me feel comfortable and I haven't, I've tried. And so like, because I have, and because I like have those like really tangible examples of like the way that I felt, and I don't like that I feel that way. I don't like that I feel Mm. not feminine when someone is smaller than me. I hate that I feel that way. And I don't feel that way as much as I used to, but it's still there. But like, because I have that like really tangible, I guess, knowledge of how I felt in those relationships, I feel really confident in that preference. You've had full relationships with men that were shorter than you? Mm-hmm. The dentist was shorter than me. Okay. So do you mind if I ask, in terms of sleeping with men that are shorter than you, has it only been one? Oh, no. Many more. More than one. Uh, okay. That's interesting because the feminine thing you touched on, you haven't said that to me specifically. Um, I like, I can understand that obviously as a tall woman, but like the first person I slept with was shorter than me. And then like, I have, uh, I've slept with more people shorter than me than taller than me. So like the feeling feminine in that aspect, I kind of like got over it. And I'm not, tell- I'm not saying this to be like, go fuck some shorter men, but, <laughs> but I, I just was curious. Shorter men. It actually, okay. it actually has nothing to do with sex. I know, but it's, it's an aspect of it because there's something to like, physically, a man is bigger than us. There, there's this like, you know, oh, he could like toss me around feeling, right? There's this more like fuckable feeling. Like I'm more likely to want to fuck you. It's natural. I still have that feeling. A taller man, easier for me to be turned on than a shorter man, okay? Not saying it's impossible for the shorter, but it's easier. And then it's like but- when I got with shorter men, then I was like, oh, this dude still can like toss me around. It, it's like that's the thing that kind of made me get over it a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm no, not- I have. Okay. All right. Well, that's fair. But I feel like essentially the book is being like, what if I told you right now you changed your height filter to 5'11", you would meet your husband in the next 10 years, as opposed to like, if you don't change it, you're going to be single for the next 10 years. I feel like that's kind of the question it's making everybody ask themselves with their own dating. Yeah. Which is a slightly different question, I think, than would I regret not changing it? Because in that hypothetical, there's a guarantee. And I also would ask when... Well, that's indirectly what I was trying to say. It's like, you will get married before this age if you're more open-minded with your filters. That's what I was trying to say, which I feel like is what the book is asking you the whole time. It's like, you still want to keep these filters? Another year goes by, you're single. You still want to keep these filters? Like, and I'm just saying filters because it's an easy example, but it's like whatever preferences you have, you know? Because some of them aren't even able to filter, but... Yeah, I mean, we can't know, right? But like, I... I, I feel really confident in that one. I know I get a lot of shit for it, but like it's it's important to me and never say never. Like if I, you know, meet somebody in person or like if you if you said if you take off your filters, you will meet the love of your life and be like blissfully happy with this person mm-hmm. and you're going to meet him in the next year. If you take, I just made that up a year up, but if you take off your filters, if you said that, yeah, I'd probably do it. Cause you're like guaranteeing that I'm going to meet this like person that's perfect for me. Mm-hmm. But like, even if I did, it's not a guarantee, you know, and obviously there never could be one. No. And the book is basically saying you're just more likely. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. you, and- you can either choose to 
narrow your chances or expand your chances. And I feel like that's what the challenge of the book is, is being like, all right, so do you want to try something new, try something different than what you've been doing and whatever those things are for whoever's out there? Like, you know, bald is another example they use. Where it's that like used to be a one lot of mine, women. actually. We're, that used to be one of mine. I used to, I used to not want to date somebody who was bald, and now I like definitely don't care. Yeah, and I, actually I don't think care. Like bald with a beard is a very good look. Well, to be to be honest with you, those are two things that like bald and like like a lot of beard was something I was never mm-hmm. attracted to. But it also was like I was way younger. That's like twenty three, well, yeah, twenty four. Yeah. You know, and it's like I understand bald to a twenty four year old is a little like. Because it just feels so much older. Like, but that's the thing. It's not like I'd sit there and go, that bald man is ugly automatically because he's bald. It was more just, I was like, oh, he's so much older than me was what I was like naturally assuming. But then all of a sudden I was like near 30 and I was like, oh, bald doesn't feel weird anymore. Like, you know, I'm aging into liking men that are older, which makes sense because I am also getting older. (laughs) That's good. Great. That's perfect. I'm no longer attracted to young 20 year olds. Like fantastic. Right. Yeah. I'm not mad about it. Right. No. No. Yeah. I mean, I think obviously I did. That was the, the central preference of mine that was top of mind in the, obviously she mentions that all the time in the book, but like, Mm -hmm. that is one that I was thinking about that whole time. And uh, yeah, I think, I think just as, as I was reading it, I just kept coming back to like, yep, I have tried that. And, and that did not work for me. And so I don't think that for me, I'm actually more likely to meet that person if I take off that filter, let's say, because for me, that I I have tried that before and like that just didn't, it didn't feel like how I want to feel. And I I wish I didn't feel that way, but I do. Yeah. I mean, it's ultimately your choice. It's just, I feel like this is the conversation the book brings to everybody Yeah, Yeah, because it's like, you know, yours is height. I have plenty of friends that have other preferences um that it's like i've tried to push them of like you know if you change that preference there would be more people in the pool do you have any that that like the book was making you question but you're ultimately like nah that's still a preference um i know this is long and maybe this will segue into eventually doing something more on this topic but something i feel like i've faced in dating it more brought in something that was kind of like the opposite for me, because there was a line in the book that basically was saying like, you know, also in dating, you should go where the love is, right? Like if we keep going after whatever type that typically Mm -hmm. doesn't like us back, we're also shooting ourselves in the foot, you know? So that could be like a common one that people say is like two entrepreneurs usually don't work together. Like those Mm -hmm. two personalities usually do not mesh. You're both very, I want it my way, decisive, whatever. So that's an example. So something that's interesting for me is like, I actually feel like I have had a pretty wide open range with a lot of my preferences. There's not many I really can think of to say that I even have or still have that I'm very like, Mm -hmm. "Mm, absolutely not. Uh, But one thing that does honestly come to mind is like race and dating for Mm -hmm. me, because I naturally, or not naturally, I just, I attract more people of color than white people. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I'm white. I'm from a certain religion. A lot of people of color are from another religion, specifically like Indian men is probably a primary example I can use that's easy. And I sit down on a date and it's usually one of the first questions is like, are you at all part Indian or part whatever race that they are? And I say, no, I'm Italian. And then, you know, I will ask, like, oh, is that important to you? Like, 
that you marry yeah. somebody also from that race or from that religion, right? Because they're usually also often Hindu or Muslim. And they always say, oh, no, no, it doesn't matter, blah, blah. However, my track record with someone asking me that, me revealing I'm white and getting a second date is basically 0%. Very low, yeah. So it's something I more look at like, you know, part of me almost sits there and is like, like, I, like I'm struggling to talk about it because I don't want it to come off as racist, but it's true. It's like, okay, I have been open to dating this race of people. However, although I am receiving that in terms of attraction, like initial attraction is there that they're interested in me. But then once it's revealed that I'm not what they thought I was, it seems to not continue. Yeah. And, and so then you're in the yeah. situation where now you're getting rejected for something that you cannot control. And right. And I don't, it's not changeable, know, but yeah, it's, it's, so it's frustrating for me and dating. Mm -hmm. And then it makes me feel like, am I essentially wasting my time going on dates with certain races of people that it, my track record shows it's not working. But then that's kind of like conflicting stuff from this book or general stuff is like, okay, I should go where the love is. Well, okay, if I'm primarily attracting people of color, hey, what a great thing that I am also attracted to them. Like, that's not what the issue is. Like, I am attracted to people of color, like specifically Indian men, I am attracted to them. But then it's like, at a certain point, you sit there and go, it keeps not working, Erica. And should I almost try to not date that? And that feels like a horrible thing to say. It feels like a racist thing to say, but it's like, that's my own personal reality that I've debated and been like, should you change your preferences in that way of just like, try to go on dates with more people that are like similar background to myself? Yeah, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. I think what's hard, what's hard is that like, I don't want to discount your personal experience with, yeah. you know, like going out with those got with these guys and then that happening. But like what's hard, I think, is that obviously that's not always a one-to-one -one correlation. And there no, it's are not. plenty of people who will be more open-minded. But what's tough is that if you're constantly ending up in this scenario where they're not, mm -hmm. and then now you you feel like shit because you liked this person and they don't want to see you again. And that's happening over and over again. I, I get why you would start to kind of draw these conclusions. Yeah. And to be honest, it's not even that I feel like shit. Cause at the end of the day, it's like, they could have not want to go out with me for another reason. Well, it's yeah. more, it's frustrating feeling like you're putting the time and the energy the into the dates that are yeah. not leading to second dates. And if I looked at my own personal data of second dates, it typically is not Indian men specifically. And that's one I've had many, many first dates on. Um, so yeah, it's like at the same time I go, well, if I make that filter for myself, according to this book, my pool gets smaller. But then also according to this book, I need to go where the love is. So it's like, I'm not really sure. And, then, and of course I'm saying this and I'm saying this is every single person of color like would not in the long term want to be with a white person. But it's just like when you look at marriage stats, it is more rare for interracial marriages as well or interfaith marriages. So even if they're not practicing Hindu and I'm not practicing Catholic, we now have these branches of your family and my family and the question of children. So it's like, even if it's not a factor, but then we get to the point of serious, and then it's, what are we going to raise the kids? Now that's like an another hump in the thing. Yeah, I mean, the, the interfaith aspect of my parents' marriage was more difficult to overcome than the interracial aspect. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, that's actually the number one like reason marriages tend to not work out or do work out is 
having those aligned values and, you know, also because it's often linked to community as well. Yeah. Yeah. My mom had to convert to Catholicism, even though we were not religious at all ever. But it if they're like getting married so in a Catholic important. church, yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was really it's a important thing. to my dad's grandmother that they get married in a Catholic church, and therefore she had to convert. She was Lutheran yeah. though; like it's not like she's like she's like a Lutheran. It's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> my my whole most of my family's Catholic. It's a thing, you know. So. Yeah, I think there are some Catholic churches that are more open minded these days, but um, at the time, it won't happen in the church. Coming. That's just like the overall rule, unfortunately. Ah. My parents already looked into it because my sister's dating a Jewish guy, and they're like, the priest can come and do a blessing at the Jewish ceremony, but the priest can't marry you. And my sister was like, okay, we haven't even moved in yet, but all right, thanks for, I- thanks for checking that. <laughs> thanks for checking thanks that, for everybody. Researching. You know? She's like, good. like, my parents were like, don't worry about it. We figured it out. All good. All we're good. Ready. Our priest can come. Don't worry about it. Like, you're like, okay. They're like, they're like, on a first date, she's getting a text message, like, the priest said it's fine. Yeah. So. But, uh, yeah, I guess yeah, that's, no, I mean, that's, that's the only thing that's like, that really sticks out to me with, in terms of preferences that I'm kind of like, yeah, I haven't and, had a preference and sometimes feel like, I don't know if I should change that. Yeah. And, and just being totally honest, like hearing that is hard because I'm like, are people thinking that about me? And I know I'm not Indian, like it's not the exact thing you're saying, but like, right. I, that is something that I think about. And to your point, this is a much larger conversation that like. I'll own it. I have been putting off because it is a lot of emotional labor for me personally. And I, I get it. And I, I hope can, what I'm saying isn't offending right you. I, you know, no, I know I it's not you're... easy to talk about and I hope it doesn't come off that way, but it's like, that's my no, reality. I and I know you have essentially the opposite reality. Yeah. I, I, I know where I get where you're coming from. And that, that is something I think about is like, is that, is my race a deterrent to people for assumptions that they're making, possibly based on a lot of personal experience like yours. Like Mm -hmm. that in and of itself is not negative, but it's like, you just didn't need to be involved. Right. It's frustrating when you're like, but you're on this date with me. Right. And long-term this is a deal breaker. So it feels like you're wasting my time. Right. Because I've I've had many, many men of many different races be like, well, I saw your profile said Caucasian. However, I thought maybe you were partly this. And I'm like, well, the well, profile is the truth. So I don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah. The, the frustration for me would be like, yeah. The frustration for me in that situation would be like, if something is so much of a deal breaker that you're going to ask it from the jump on a date, ask it beforehand. Yeah. Well, the difference here is like the man will be on the date with you being like, well, I would still sleep with you. So this question is to decide, would I really date you? No. Eh maybe we'll have some fun you know what i mean and it's just yeah. and it's one of those things it's like you know now being older i'm like okay yeah i would exactly what you said be like it's it's more frustrating now to be like okay well i'm dating for more serious so you know i don't like exactly i don't know exactly what to say about it but it's just it's frustrating and i feel like there's probably people listening that have kind of experienced the same thing both ways so yeah it's something I we'll have to I... do a, an episode about more in depth but yeah, I mean, more than one, probably. It's probably a series. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that that I think about and that, you know, I saw firsthand the, the difficulties that my parents had with an, with an interracial marriage. Th- things are certainly different now than they were in the 80s and 90s when mm-hmm. I was witnessing this. But like, still a difficulty and something that I definitely think about and worry about when I am dating somebody 
as I mostly have, who isn't my own race. Although, I mean, frankly, in order to date somebody my own race, it would be my brother. <laughs> but like, there's no, but though I don't think there's many like a half Norwegian, quarter black, quarter Mexican guys bouncing around out there. Um, but it is something that I have thought about and had to bring up and like be like, hey, like just so we're on the same page, I'm not white. Like, you know that, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like, yeah. it's an interesting thing to navigate, right? Yeah. Um, when it came up on Patreon, it's like, you and I, interestingly, are both people that get the question, where are you from? Or what are mm-hmm. you? A lot. Mm-hmm. And it's a question that I assume is more offensive to ask you than it is to ask me. Yes. Like, it was something that I feel like I kind of was naive to. Like, it almost was a joke growing up. That it was like, oh, everyone always thinks Erica's something. Like, ha, 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 ha. You know? And I kind of was like, oh, whatever, and shrug. And then, to be honest, it wasn't until I was, like, dating seriously that I realized, like, oh, this actually might be affecting, like, who I'm matching with on dating apps because they are assuming I'm not white. And then when I reveal it, it's like, oh, the interest now is automatically removed, which is unfortunate for anybody yeah. that just goes there and that. And, like, the other way is certain, like, you know, that that's, like, one one small bit, I think, of what people of color are experiencing out there in the world. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean that's a question I get all the time. Got it uh, on the Patreon. Talked about a little speed dating event I went to. Got it uh, a couple times, um, which is not a great question to ask, in case you're wondering. Mm-hmm. But the the other thing that I think that, and again, I, I want to talk about this more, and we will at some point, probably, hopefully. Um, but just that that is something that I was thinking about when I was reading this book too, is that thought of what I'm comfortable with because I did grow up in mostly white spaces. In fact, entirely white spaces. So like, Mm -hmm. as previously mentioned, we spent most of my childhood with my mom's family, didn't Mm -hmm. interact with my dad's family almost at all. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, I know that that has impacted the way that I see my own race. And I know that that has impacted the way that I date. Right. And so like, that is something that I have worked a lot on in therapy in my own, I mean, like internalized racism. Mm Mm-hmm of like the way that I view myself and my race and how that relates to what I saw as a kid and like unlearning a lot of that. And I, and I still unpack that like every day. Yeah. I know it's not, I know it's not easy. Yeah. So it's not something I can directly relate to because I'm not a person of color, but um, I know that is really, really hard. Yeah. So, and anyway, this is, this is a lot here. And uh, and we will get into it at a at a later date. I I I truly to to people ask me about this topic all the time, mm-hmm. and every single time I say like I really do want to do it. It's just a lot, and it's going to take a lot of emotional bandwidth. And I don't think there's any one right way to do it. And no matter what, it's going to be wrong. So thanks for everyone's patience that it just doesn't feel like I'm ready to quite yet. But hopefully, this was a good teaser. Yeah. I think, you know, I guess if people have questions that are along this topic, you can always submit through our website, findamrhype.com slash podcast. Uh, And maybe we'll start from there. Maybe we'll start with the crowdsourcing questions and kind of go from there to figure out that episode. Because I know it's, you know, obviously I was tripping up on my own words talking about it. So it's it's not easy, not easy for everybody to talk to because there's, you know, what's good about podcasts is we have challenging conversations, but they're also not the easiest to have sometimes. So. Yeah. And, and what's good is that like, I mean, I, I know that you feel this way because we've talked about it, but like, 
I don't think everybody has the safe space to have these conversations too, Mm -hmm. but like when you're saying things to me and I know, I know your heart and I know your intent and I'm like, it's, it's a, it's an easier conversation, I think, um, to have. And I think a lot of people don't have that safe space to be able to have those conversations. And so I I definitely want to create that in, in the future with this topic. Right. And especially on this topic, if you have a guest who would like to suggest that perhaps yeah. is in an interracial marriage or interracial relationship that talks about this publicly, maybe they'd be a great person for us to start with an interview. So totally, please submit any guest suggestions. And unfortunately, we do have to wrap, though, for this episode. So anyway, uh, thank you all for listening. And we will talk to you next week. See you next week. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.